This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. Today's Monday, January 8th, 2024, less than two months away from Super Tuesday, when Maine and 13 other states will head to the polls on March 5th to vote in the presidential primary. What we don't know is whether Donald Trump will be on the Maine ballot, thanks to the December 28th ruling by the Secretary of State, Shanna Bellows, who concluded that Donald Trump's not qualified to hold the office because he engaged in an insurrection in violation of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Joining me by phone is Ethan Strimling, former mayor for the city of Portland and Democratic state senator and one of the challengers to the Trump petition. Welcome, Ethan Strimling. Thanks. Glad to be here. Well, you you filed a challenge to Donald Trump being on the main ballot. First, let's just begin the podcast. What motivated you to be one of the challengers? Well, Donald Trump, you know, three years ago, uh, almost to the day, he decided to violate his oath and attack our country and try to stop the peaceful transfer of power so that he could stay in power. And so our Constitution makes very clear that if you do that, then you are not allowed to run for office again. And as we've been watching these cases go around the country and indeed as it went through even Congress. So over 230 members of Congress um, call him an insurrectionist, vote for him as an insurrectionist, 57 members of the U.S. Senate and two courts who have now adjudicated this and determined that he was indeed uh, an insurrectionist and now Shannon Bellows has joined you know, we all saw it with our own eyes, and we know what happened, and we know what his involvement is, and we know what the Constitution says. So um, for me, uh, I feel like it's very important that we uphold our Constitution, and I find this man to be very dangerous. And so that's why I sort of began the process and reached out to Senator Saviello and reached out to Senator Rosen, and they were um, quick to join. So. Now, you say that um, courts have adjudicated the issue of whether or not Donald Trump has engaged in an insurrection. And I think that there's some, you know, pushback to that. Like, for instance, in Colorado, the lower court found that he had engaged in an insurrection, but then also found that, you know, that section of the Constitution didn't apply. So, you know, that that judge got, I guess, one half of the equation right. But you, you agree with him that he engaged in an insurrection, but you also believe that the 14th Amendment does apply, right? Oh, yeah. Um, her, the judge at that level, the district court judge, um, the woman at that case, and, and that's what I was referring to when I said, you know, two courts have now said he is an insurrectionist, looked at the info. You know, one of the attacks from the other side is he's never been adjudicated, never had a criminal charge, and that's just simply false. Well, he hasn't had a criminal charge. He has been adjudicated, and he spent a week presenting evidence to this judge and she after reviewing that evidence from both sides and took another week after that she determined that yes indeed he is an insurrectionist and she did decide that the 14th amendment she looked at the 14th amendment if you read the ruling she basically said look this area is kind of gray and i'm falling on the side of um you know i'm I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt here because it feels gray from what i am seeing from the record and I think understanding that the Colorado Supreme Court was going to take it up next and that they would look at this. They're much more involved in constitutional issues. And so they looked at it much more carefully. And then they again affirmed 
that he was an insurrectionist. And that's the piece that I think is, you know, very important in terms of pushing back against conservatives who are claiming that he's never been adjudicated as an insurrectionist. Yes, as a matter of fact, he has. He's well, yeah, I, I still think, I think I understand your argument, but I don't think that it's, it's waterproof. Um, you know, because the adjudication of the facts and the law in different forums, uh, I think reasonable people could argue that um, th- that the court relied on the January 6th final report of Congress, which many yeah. would say was, was a partisan document, and, and, and that the document itself served as the basis for the impeachment, but that he was ultimately acquitted in the Senate, right? Yeah. And yeah. You, can, you can, that's Donald Trump's argument, you're right. And the judge looked at that and said, no, that's not the case. The, the, the January 6th report is absolutely important. It has very important documentation in it, et cetera, and all the other evidence that was presented at this hearing. And then the Colorado Supreme Court, seven justices looked at it and said again, yes, the January 6th report, of course, Donald Trump wants to say the January 6th report is a partisan document that doesn't tell the truth, of course. But judges now have looked at it, and that's what's important. So it's not your opinion, my opinion. You and I are partisans. We're former elected officials. We're involved in politics. Get it. We have an opinion. But these are judges. And so, yes, can you criticize judges? Of course. You could criticize a, a criminal charge as well, right? They're they're going after the criminal charges of Donald Trump. He's got 91 indictments, and half a dozen of those are criminal at least. And they're saying those are, you know, even if he's found guilty, you know that they'll come back and say that that's not. Yeah, I think I th- so. I, you could be right. Um, but it also could be that the Supreme Court decides that a state court judge just doesn't have jurisdiction over this kind of issue. But 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 just getting back to sure. the report itself, the January 6th report, yeah. the recommendations included, you know, this big lengthy report. Um, I didn't read every single word of it. I, I read the executive summary and then I read the recommendations and skimmed the other, you know, but that serves as, as basically, the I think, the best evidence that challengers like yourself have. And, and the conclusion by the um, January 6th committee was to bring charges against Donald Trump for insurrection. They recommended to the Department of Justice to at least look into it. And the Department yeah. of Justice didn't, in fact, bring charges against Trump for insurrection. They brought charges against him for, you know, three or four other things. But they specifically, you know, were, were it was suggested by the report, it was recommended by the committee, but it wasn't taken up by the Justice Department. So, you know, it just seems to me that if, if the if the case was as ironclad as you seem to think it is, that Jack Smith, the special counsel, you know, specifically charged with this, who has since brought charges against Trump on other issues, would have brought it. So, you know, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll see. I, I well, I, you, sure. I, I don't know Jack Smith. I don't know why he made that decision. Uh, all I know is what I saw, and I know what the judges have now ruled, right? You and I can forever try to surmise why he did or didn't. That just seems like it's hypotheticals, right? The the, the Congress did bring forward uh, an article of impeachment that was incitement of uh, insurrection, and over 230 members of that body voted for it, and 57 members of the U.S. Senate, in fact, the most members we've ever had voting for an impeachment for a conviction. Now, you're absolutely right. It didn't get to conviction, but it's also important to recognize that conviction is I think almost everybody agrees, not a requirement of the 14th Amendment or Section 3. In fact, just the opposite, right? Back then, the Confederate soldiers, as the terms of the surrender said, they were all paroled from, they they would not be prosecuted. So a 
criminal conviction, of course, was impossible. And yet Congress said, no, these folks are not going to be seated. No, they're not going to be able to serve in these offices. So we know conviction is not necessary. No, but it does seem like conviction, um, like conviction or uh, having fought in, you know, a a war. I mean, it seems to me like the, 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 Conflating the the Revolutionary War with the circumstances today seems a little bit of a far stretch. But let's just say, well, wait a minute, hold on a second. They didn't seat somebody because he gave a hundred dollars to his son to go and fight in the war, right? They gave a hundred dollars to his son to go fight in the war, right? That's aiding and abetting, right? So it was not people who simply fought in the war. Now, sure, you can say, is there some black and white line? But they looked at it and they determined, and there were other people who they wanted to exclude, and they actually looked at it and said, you know what, no, we won't exclude them. But I think what you and I have to, I I hope that you will agree, the judges are the ones who have now said he's an insurrectionist, right? Let's take it out of politics. Well, I accept that, but but they're state court judges, and in, you know, in, in... Some sense. No, but that's that, fine. But that's all we have in front of us at the moment. You're right. It will go. But to yeah, but state court, court judges. I think. I think my point is that state court judges, like that, would be like you know a state court judge finding some sort of copyright infringement or something that's specifically, you know, exclusive federal jurisdiction. I think my my point is that I think there's a reasonable argument that Shanna Bellows exceeded her authority in making this determination that she is required by Maine state statute to make a finding of whether or not he's you know, fulfilled the qualifications of state law is, I think, what I come down to, is that she has a requirement to find that he, you know... Uh, so, so she, wait a minute, wait a minute. So she could not... I mean, it's interesting. That, that certainly is Donald Trump's argument, and Donald Trump remarkably, and the judges dealt exactly with the issue that you're talking about in front of Colorado, and Shenna Bellows did, did too, in which Shenna said, so are you Donald Trump's lawyer? Are you arguing that if somebody submits petitions to me who is an 18-year-old, and I know this for a fact because I have their driving record, because I'm the Secretary of State, I have to put them on the ballot? Is your answer to that yes? Because most people look at that and say no. Now, that is only a federal issue. Yeah, but that's because because you can take judicial notice of a fact of somebody's age because there's public documents that provide that evidence. You can't take judicial notice of somebody having engaged in an insurrection because it's a it's a criminal finding right there's a criminal statute it's not though it doesn't have to be a criminal finding number one if you're looking at it number two she had two courts that had ruled that way you keep sort of put them aside these courts well the colorado the colorado court what other court the district court and the supreme court yeah so that's not but like that's not two courts that's (laughs) well yeah two courts right if you go from one court just like the supreme court's going to be a third court Right? The, court. They both they both reviewed the case. They both looked at the facts and they said, okay, we're going to look at what she decided at the district court level and we're going to determine whether or not her finding of fact that he was an insurrectionist is a legitimate finding of fact. And they determined it was through their review. So a second court. But you, you keep seem, seeming to push aside the fact that two courts have decided this. Well, the second court we also... Yeah, but the that. second court, okay, what you call the second court, which I would call just the appeals court, the, it found that the lower court was correct in its factual determination, but incorrect in its legal determination. So does that, just, you know... But anyways, so so the, the issue, whether or not you're going to win or not at the Supreme Court, we don't know. And we could argue all day about it. But, but what do you, are you expect? I mean, you must have known going into this that the ultimate arbiter of this decision would be the United States Supreme Court that has, as you know, a majority of justices who are Republican, many of whom were, 
you know, appointed by Trump. Are you expecting the Supreme Court to, what do you expect the Supreme Court to do? Well, I don't know. I mean, I certainly, uh, I agree with you. The Supreme Court is a very partisan, um, very Republican body at the moment. And uh, so to say I'm optimistic would be uh, a stretch. But I do think that, uh, you know, if when you look at this case as as just sort of step aside and take Donald Trump out of it and take Joe Biden out of it, take party politics out of it, and you look at the 14th Amendment, it's very hard first and foremost, to determine that the president would not be included, right? The courts, yes, one court said no, one court said yes, Shenna has said yes. But most people who are looking at this, even conservatives are saying, yeah, okay, it's a little bit of a stretch. Yes, maybe Donald, maybe the president's not involved, but most likely from the legislative record, Donald Trump's involved. So if you just look at it from, sorry, the president is involved. So you look at it from an originalist perspective, which these court justices say they are, you're going to say that the 14th Amendment is going to apply to the president, that it's self-enacting, that you don't have to have a criminal charge, et cetera, et cetera. I don't I mean, know if there, I don't think, I don't think that's a given. And the reason why is because... I, I, I'm not, I, well, I'm not saying it's a given of the court. I'm saying that it's a given, I think, of the, of the amendments of the Constitution. Even conservative lawyers are arguing at this point, yeah, okay, it's pretty hard to say that it wouldn't apply. Well, but here's I mean, the what, thing. What's the reason? It's yeah. well, well, here the reason is because if it was self-executing, then it seems to me the January 6th report, which everybody is hanging their hat on, one of the specific recommendations of the January 6th report is is to make it a, a you know, make it uh, allowable or or available a procedure to exclude people from the ballot. So it's if if it was already self-executing, then I don't know why the January 6th committee would recommend uh, making a process to to do exactly what you're doing now. So we'll just see. I mean, because... Well, uh, the, the January 6th committee didn't say you have to file criminal charges and he has to be found guilty in order for him not to run again. They, they said you should file criminal charges. That was just a separate piece to say, we think that this guy should be criminally charged with that. Their charge was, which they brought to the uh, floor of the House was that he incited an insurrection, and therefore they carried that forward. And as I said before, almost 300 members of Congress, more members of Congress than we've ever had, voted for, yes, he incited insurrection. Now, I think, I do think that there is, even though you don't need a criminal conviction, even though you don't need a court to sort of go through, I think it's legitimate to say that courts should review this, and courts have reviewed it. And what I'm confused about is sort of how you're pushing back on the fact that courts have reviewed it so we have to at least unless we just want to say we don't accept our courts and we just say well you well it's just the law though it's just the law that the main court there's there's no precedential value of a colorado state supreme court making a finding of fact in colorado on a main court there you know you can look at it and think so there so it has no so 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 sorry yeah i I wasn't saying so so real clear I, i wasn't saying that it had bearing here what i was saying is that when when we were arguing the case in front of the court, we, we obviously came forward and talked about what happened in Colorado. And then after our hearing was over, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled and Shenna said, okay, do you have additional input you want to give? And both sides were able to give additional input based on that. What I'm talking about is sort of confronting both the legal and the political issues in which people say, how can you stop this person from being on the ballot if he's never been adjudicated in a court of law? And that simply is a false statement. He has been adjudicated 
twice in which he had his day in court. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I, yeah, I just don't agree with you though that he actually had his day in court. He had his day in because he wasn't. What would be different? Well, he wasn't charged by a prosecutor of engaging in an insurrection. He was declared by, you know, in our case, the main secretary. Well, in Colorado, they absolutely said their whole case was based on the fact that he's an insurrectionist, and they had to. Yeah, but the the, the whole case. The judge had to determine that. The whole case was still based. There wasn't any other evidence than the January sixth report, right? So the whole. No, there no, there was plenty of evidence outside the January sixth report. That's the primary thing that she was looking at, and the primary thing that Trump tried to get excluded. But we presented additional evidence beyond the January sixth report. Of course, both sides did, and he presented. I mean, the the important thing here is he spent a week presenting evidence saying he did not incite an insurrection that he is not an insurrectionist. He spent a week saying it was not an insurrection. I didn't do it. You can't charge me with it. You can't blame me for it, et cetera, et cetera. Therefore, you never even get to the 14th Amendment. He made that argument for a week. And she looked at it and she said, yeah, sorry. And that's what most people look at, right? I mean, if you look, do you think that Donald Trump was involved in the insurrection of January 6th? Uh, You would say yes. I mean, I don't know. Well, what I think is that January 6th is an insurrection. I thought January 6th was definitely an attempt of, you know, of an insurrection. And I think everyone who engaged in behavior that, you know, participated in those acts should be held responsible. And, and, and And I'm glad that there have been all of these prosecutions. But I can't help but notice that our lead guy at the U.S. Department of Justice, when being handed the January 6th report and specifically includes a referral to him to prosecute Trump for insurrection, and he chose not to, and instead picked three other charges and indicted Trump on three other charges. And so now to say that it's a given that there was an insurrection, it just, in, in my mind, it just doesn't add up. But just getting back to the politics of it, if going into this, you knew that, you know, you, you had hoped for the outcome that Shanna Bellows had delivered, and and knew that the makeup of the Supreme Court is what it is, I mean, it, do you do you think this is the best way to actually keep Trump off the ballot? I mean, it just seems to me if if you if you tee it up to the Supreme Court with the with the belief, I don't have the belief that the Supreme Court is completely partisan that we can expect as a matter of course all of the Trump appointees to just you know salute him and let him on you know the ballot. I, I don't think that that's I hope you're right. yeah. I, I don't think you know. I think right. I yeah. Right. Um, but 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 if you know if you're a skeptical what is there any other reason what what are the political reasons for you and the challengers to do this well, there's no other reason i mean the, you uphold the constitution I, mean, I, I just i disagree with you that there's i, I don't know what the other means is well isn't it just to defeat him at the at the ballot like at the at the polls well oh absolutely i'll be working to defeat him at the polls of course that, that piece if he's on the ballot but that that doesn't override the fact that he violated his oath of office and that as an insurrectionist, he doesn't get to run for office again. He's, you know, it's like anything else. If, if you disqualify yourself, you're disqualified and you don't get to run. And I believe in that principle. And so in bringing this forward, I brought it forward because it's the right thing to do, because we shouldn't allow people to violate the Constitution, especially on something this significant. Right. This is a man who wants to be president of the United States again, who was president. And while he was president, he engaged, incited an insurrection against our country. He tried to stop the 
peaceful transfer of power. He did. He, he, did, he, he did. He did try I mean, to do that. He did try to do that, but he did that. He did that with all words. I think the tough. I think. I think the tough thing is that um, that in our society we have you know deep roots in the idea that people are responsible for their own actions, and so I think the argument sort of is that all these people are such morons they were just you know brainwashed by Trump and they don't have responsibility for their own actions. They are being held you know accountable. They're going to jail. Of course they are. Yeah, and I think that's good. I I I, I'm a little bit. Why why wouldn't the so so you know. Because Trump didn't break the head, the head of the Proud Boys who brought all the Proud Boys there, right? Right. Actually, ended up not engaging that day because he couldn't because he had been detained. He doesn't get prosecuted. Well, he did not only no. Yes, he 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 was prosecuted, and and so so that's but he's not prosecuted for insurrection. Remember, but but, you're hanging on this one simple word. But I'm because because saying that you have to act. So so what does engagement? Well, if because general, the difference if between says to you, hang on one second. If the general says to you, says to the troops, take that house, and then walks away, and they go take the house. Is the general not culpable? <laughs> yeah, but Trump in this instance wasn't a general. He was. He was. You know, Trump he was, was their leader. They've gone to court and said we did it because Trump told us to, and he said, stop the steal, right? So you just, like, I guess like the hell. the question Stop just is, we we you can't be can't be seriously saying that somebody who uh, who tells the crowd to go and stop the election that somehow they are not culpable for what those folks are doing. If you tell somebody to go, burn I d- down well, the house, I definitely don't think if somebody just stands up in a crowd and says, you know, stop the steal. I don't think that they're responsible for what the crowd then does. But the you know the point is that you know Shenabello's made this decision. As the main Secretary of State, she she made this decision at your you know based on your challenge. Now today there was an editorial, and and I think you tweeted about this issue, and and it's been going around Maine for a while, and that is that perhaps Shenabellos isn't the appropriate person to make the decision about whether or not Donald Trump engaged in a rebellion because typically prosecutors are the ones who are presented with evidence, they bring it to a grand jury for an indictment, and in this case. No prosecutor has brought Donald Trump in on charges of conspiracy. So, like, when you take that Proud Boys guy, I just don't know why Donald Trump wouldn't have been included in that conspiracy if there was actual evidence that they had. And I just don't know why the U.S. Department of Justice, if they're going to charge Trump with three other felonies related to his actions on January 6th, that they didn't charge him with that. But so Jenna Bellis made the decision. She's the secretary of state. Let me just finish this. Let me just finish. She's the secretary of state and she's elected as you know, but maybe not everybody knows by the majority of, of house members, right. Of, of legislators in Augusta. And, and a lot of people believe that that should be changed, that the secretary of state should be elected, you know, by the people. And I think you agree with that because I saw at least on your Twitter feed. So, why do you I think voted for it when I was in the Senate? Yeah, okay. So why on the one hand do you think that the election of the Secretary of State in Maine is not done in a good way, but at the same time think that her decision in this instance is, you know, worthy of 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 your support and that and should be upheld? <laughs> they don't have anything to do with each other. Her her job as per Maine law, however she is elected, I, I didn't I didn't quite sure I never voted on this part of Maine law. I don't know that you ever did either, but her job is to be the first 
uh, the, the first moment of adjudication. So she has no choice in that matter. When well, somebody challenges a ballot, she has to go to her, whether it's the President of the United States or whether it's challenging Ethan Strimling to be able to run for the legislature. But was she, she challenged? Was she challenged? Yeah, I, I think that that's an overstatement, but though. Just, the law says she has to find that the people have c- fulfilled the legal requirements that Maine has set out to be on the ballot. And so in, in terms of Trump spelling his name right, collecting the right number of signatures, having the well, signatures that, that, notarized. That, that, that's fine. You, you can disagree with her assessment, and we'll find out. Superior Court will rule. Did she have the authority to do this or not? We, we think very strongly, and I think if you read our what we submitted, the briefs we submitted, that it's very clear that she actually has not only the ability, the responsibility that, again, if somebody comes in front of her who is clearly not qualified, she has the responsibility to take them off the ballot, especially if she goes through a hearing and people challenge it and the evidence presents itself and it says, this is what's going on, as we said before, right? Unless you are saying that somebody who, you know, that Arnold Schwarzenegger could file petitions to run for president of the United States and she would be required to put him on the ballot I don't think that that's the truth. I don't think she is required to put him on the ballot well, because he's not a natural-born American, right? So she can't do it. So if she can make that decision, then she can make this decision, of course. But she just followed the law. She followed the law that we've all put in place as legislators that says, here's her job. She made, her job she, she actually, I don't think she followed the law necessarily. I think what she did is she made a call because what she did was she didn't challenge any of the technicalities as, as far as his eligibility to be on the ballot. What she said was that when he signed his consent form that said, I hereby, qual-, you know, swear that I'm qualified, she said that, that, you know, that's essentially not true because he's not qualified because, like you said, because she concluded yeah. that he engaged in in um, in an insurrection. And insurrection. so she's, so it's, you know. Exactly. I, I, yeah, so. I mean, look, that form does not say, you know, are you uh, 35 years old? That form does not say, you know, do you, are you a natural born citizen? No, but how, but but the analysis would be like, for instance, Arnold Schwarzenegger or say an 18 year old or whatever. If if you had, if somebody signed that under oath and you had reasonable basis to believe that they were lying, you could do an investigation and find out, you know, is he an American citizen? That's what she did. Well, but, That's what but, we but the investigation, everything goes back to the House Republican, the, the January 6th final report, which, which was a committee of it's seven Democrats and two Republicans. You know, it was. And they all voted for it. Well, they all voted for it, and and they one of their recommendations was to in you know to have a process to challenge somebody's yes. eligibility, which yes. it seems to me if this process was already in place, we wouldn't need a new one. But let's let's move on because we're not going to resolve this between you and I. I mean, we both yes. I think and we both want the same outcome, and that is for Donald Trump not to ever be president again. And so I think the better <laughs> approach is to beat him fair and square. At the voting, you know, at the voting booth, and I and I'm, I'm concerned that these efforts by what appear to be partisan Democrats are just going to inflame and 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 motivate the the Republican base to get out because they already have this sense that you know Trump is being unfairly persecuted, and so so I mean, wh- do, you, do you do you honestly think? Well, let, let me say one thing. Yes, beat them fair and square, but. Doing it through the Constitution is fair and square, and that's the democratic way to do it. Upholding our Constitution is one of the most democratic things we can do in this country, and we should do it. So I want to, you know, when you use the word fair and square, beat him at the ballot box, I'm all in. I'm happy to beat him at the ballot box. We will beat him. If he's on the ballot, we'll go after him a thousand percent. All in on that. No problem. But 
do you honestly feel like Donald Trump's supporters aren't already motivated? I mean, I, what is it that you see that all of, that they were these sleeping giants who now all of a sudden are going to gain more motivation, right? They, it's already clear, as Donald Trump has said, he can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and they won't be there for him. They already are there for him when he lost an election. So what makes us think that if he loses the election next year, he's going to accept that? That there's some easy way for him to go gentle into the good night? There is no easy way. So we need to make sure that we uphold our Constitution. And if we lose on this and the Supreme Court, you know, decides to reinterpret the, the 14th Amendment or something, some unfortunate act, and we have to go and beat him at the ballot box, we'll go beat him at the ballot box. I'm all in. But we have to uphold our Constitution. That is the, one of the most democratic things that we can do. And that's what this fight is about. If the Supreme Court, though, says uh, that these attempts to disqualify him based on a finding by state bureaucrats and judges, politically elected judges, that he has violated the Constitution, which, you know, a lot of people would agree yeah. that, you know, I there's it's the couple hundred votes that separate, you know, Joe Biden, well, I guess Joe Biden, he won by a substantial number, but there's very, you know, there's these just handful of states. It's only, so it's just a, a couple of people that are going to be convinced that, you know, that this persecution of Trump somehow is bad. So in other words, if, if the Supreme Court... But don't you think they think that already? But I mean, who, what Trump people have Trump, you heard from that have said now, okay, now I'm motivated for Trump? It's not <laughs> the Trump people. It's, before, the, it's, but, it's the independents that make the difference in these races. It's the, the independents who are, who, are, who, are, who are looking at Joe Biden and hearing the drumbeat about his age and senility, who are looking at their pocketbooks and seeing the inflation rates, who are looking at the $34 trillion in debt and thinking, you know what, um, this, isn't, this isn't good. And so, geez, poor Donald Trump, he's being persecuted. Like if the Supreme Court comes... Come on. They don't... I'm with you. I was with you right until that last moment. Look, our independents looking at this are lots of people looking at this race and trying to decide for themselves whether or not Joe Biden is the person they want to put back in the White House or not. I'm with you a thousand percent on that. I, it, it, it is just absurd in my mind to say that somehow or another that those same independents are saying to them, oh, poor Donald Trump is being persecuted. Though independents who are swing voters in this race are deciding for themselves whether or not the pocketbook issues that you talked about, whether Joe Biden or whether Donald Trump is the person that's going to help them on that. They are not, they don't care about whether somebody is being persecuted, whether somebody gets a bad headline or anything like that. I I have not seen any evidence of that. I agree with you on the pocketbook stuff. Do we have to make sure that Joe Biden tells the story, that make sure that Joe Biden, that people understand what he has done for the economy and how strong it is, et cetera? And do we have to make the case of the alternative to um, Joe Biden and what Donald Trump might bring back to the White House? Of course we do. What do you think? But I don't think do there's you, anybody out there who's thinking that. Do you have any concerns that Shanna Bellows serving as an elector for Joe Biden is going to somehow disqualify her, or is it a insurmountable conflict I mean, uh, is it an insurmountable? Is it surmountable? Or, sorry. No, or what do you question? think about that? Like, I was a little surprised that that wasn't disclosed in the um, in the opinion. She did bring up the fact that, you know, it was late and she just dis, dis, discounted or uh, re- 
rejected the argument that she should recuse herself because of a conflict. She just found that there wasn't a conflict and that it was raised too late. But it seems to me that's yeah. that's a problem. Like that, she, if she was an elector, like it's. I don't know. Well, you know, look, the the issue around the conflict. Uh, you're a lawyer; you understand all this stuff. I'm, they filed it way well beyond uh, the hearing, and what what's you know sort of most pertinent to me about the issues of conflict are that the you know, they have brought up nothing from the hearing itself. You know, they threw out our, she threw out uh, a number of our exhibits that Donald Trump um, protested that he objected to the hearing itself. They have no evidence that she was unbiased in that hearing. Uh, look, we are all in politics. And if, if we are going to say, you know, if we're going to say that people should accuse themselves because they have an opinion, uh, I think we're going to have very few people on the planet who would ever be able to be uh, a judge in a case like this. So uh, I, I think it's just them throwing spaghetti at the wall. They don't want to argue the actual facts. You know, this is, again, a distraction. They want to look at this and say, you know, we, we, we know that now three judicial bodies have declared him an insurrectionist, and two of them have determined that the 14th Amendment actually does apply, and therefore he's not on the ballot. Uh, we know that that's a very hard argument for us to win at this point. And so they're throwing spaghetti at the wall, trying to figure out what else they can, you know, throw you, people. So. Sorry, we're going over a little yeah. bit. Um, I just two more things. I mean, yeah. you, will you accept, though, I mean, do you, uh, do you agree that the United States Supreme Court ultimately has jurisdiction over the question of whether or not the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution was violated? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, okay. I, 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 hope, I hope that they'll take that up. I mean... There are some people who think they won't, that they'll try to find some. I, I hope they go right to the core of the issue. I hope they go to the 14th Amendment. They look at him as, as an insurrectionist, and they make a determination on that. Uh, I certainly hope they don't do some technical issue. Well, well I'm, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm so, ultimately, that's where, that's where it goes. This is a very obviously interesting, very, very interesting issue that I'm, I'm engaged in, and I'm, I'm hopeful for you that you're, you know, you're going to come out on top. But in the event that you don't, my theory in this is to defeat Trump and to just have a better election process is to take advantage of Maine's new semi-open primary law, unenroll as a Democrat, and then on March 5th, go into my voting booth and get the Republican primary ballot and vote for Nikki Haley, <laughs> you know, because it like, and so what? what's wrong yeah. with that? Why aren't we as Democrats doing that? Like, and just making sure that he's not on the ballot using the uh, election tools that we know are available to us instead of the sort of risky approach of going to the Supreme Court. Well, I, I, the, the bottom line of why not is that it won't work, right? I mean, Trump's got a 30-point lead, so it, it's not going to work. So he, you know, But couldn't it? I mean, the, this is the, the first year. Yeah. This is the first year of the new law. I mean, could, I mean, it's a little too late probably to really organize around this, but it seems to me. Yeah, I mean, it's just not, he's got a 30, I mean, he's, he's look, I, do I think that um, Nikki Haley is going to do better in Iowa than people expect? Yes. And do I think there's a chance that she might win New Hampshire? Maybe. I felt a little better about that week ago before she started, you know, messing around with the Civil War stuff, but et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but Nikki Haley has no chance. Right? Donald Trump is, you know, if Donald Trump, uh, wins this challenge in front of the Supreme Court and is on the ballot, he'll be the nominee. There's not, no open primary is going to shift that. This is not some kind of close race. It just doesn't, that doesn't, it's not going to work. So that's kind of the fundamental problem of it. Um, 
So just before I let you go, is there anything else you have to do with regard to this proceeding? Are you planning on going, uh, the United States Supreme Court has granted cert, there's going to be oral arguments, there, are you going to, what's your level of participation going forward? Are you just an observer with your fingers crossed, or are you engaged and going to be down in Washington? Um, well, our case is not in front of the Supreme Court at this point, obviously, so it's in front of the Superior Court, and the Attorney General's office obviously takes that lead, and we are uh, petitioners within that as the challengers, so we file briefs as well, so we're involved at that level with the Superior Court, and then the Superior Court has to decide by the 17th, and then from there, it would go to the um, state Supreme Court, and I assume it would be appealed. If we win, it would be appealed, and then it would go to the state Supreme Court, and so we'll certainly stay engaged through all of the process within Maine. But we, at this point, this has not been, nobody has tried to say this should be shifted to the U.S. Supreme Court at this point, so... I think it's got to go through a couple of courts before then. And last I question. I be paying attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. We all will be, definitely. I'm at the edge of my seat on this issue. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of reporting on the the violence and the threats uh, made to Shanabellos and made to others around the country. Have you yourself been the recipient of any threats, threats of violence because of your action challenging Trump as a, as a qualified candidate? Um, no, not nothing nothing like what Shanna has seen. You know, you're, you've been an elected official. You know, when I was in office, I got real death threats and that had to be taken up by the FBI or the police department. I've had nothing like that. Um, you know, getting lots of nasty comments, et cetera, but it's very unfortunate that that's happening. And, um, you know, one of the pieces that I, I try to communicate as much as possible, because some folks try to create these false equivalencies, and I find that very frustrating. You know, that there have been courts around the country that have not, um, decided that Donald Trump should be knocked off the ballot, and those judges have never received death threats from our side, as it were. And um, every court in which they have ruled, whether it's Shenna or the Colorado Supreme Court, has received these kind of threats, and it's it's very unfortunate. And it's what we see, what we have been seeing from uh, some of Donald Trump's um, worst supporters. And um, I, I wish that more of his supporters who were not like that were calling those folks out of trying to fan it, but, but no, I have not thankfully seen any of the kind of stuff that uh, Secretary Bellows has seen. Well, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that, Ethan. <laughs> very yeah. glad. Thank and you. I hope that, I hope that stays, I hope it stays that way. Um, yeah. Well, Ethan Strimling, um, do you want to make any news here on the podcast? I mean, March 5th is uh, Super Tuesday. March 15th is the deadline, I think, for candidates to submit petitions. Are you, I don't know, running for anything? No, I am not. I am, <laughs> I am not. No, new, no news on that front. I'm sorry. Can't break any news to you there. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I really appreciate it. I hope you thank come you. back. Yes, and uh, until Goodbye. next time, take care. Take care. You too.